0: The Ectoplasm Show is brought to you by North KC's Big Rip Brewing Company. Lighten up dark matter, have a craft beer. Welcome to Paranormal Warehouse. (laughs) Paranormal Warehouse.
1: Paranormal Warehouse is the ultimate social media website for paranormal investigators and researchers. Create a profile,
0: add friends, upload video, audio, and photographic evidence. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ectoplasm Show. My name is Josh Hurd. Unfortunately, our good pal Jason Kupsick is uh, a little under the weather, not going to join us this evening. But uh, we do have a very special guest with us, Mr. David Weatherly. Uh, For those of you that aren't familiar with Mr. Weatherly, he's a paranormal investigator and author. Uh, For 40 years, he has been exploring... Uh, the world of the strange, investigating cases around the country and abroad. Uh, he's written and lectured on a diverse range of talk, topics, excuse me, including cryptozoology, ufology, and hauntings. David has also studied shamanic and magical traditions with elders from numerous cultures, uh, including Europe, Tibet, Native America, and Africa. And he has appeared on numerous radio programs, including Coast to Coast, Dreamland, Veritas, and Darkness Radio. And David was also featured in Watchers Volume Five and on uh, the hit show Ancient Aliens as well. Uh, he's the author of The Black Eyed Children and Strange Intruders. Uh, David, are you there, sir?
1: I am, Josh. How you doing?
0: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for taking the time.
1: Hey, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump right into this here and ask. You know what initially got you interested in this whole world of the weird, so to speak?
1: <laughs> you know, uh, I, I love when people ask that question, actually. It's, it's one of those things. I like to say, I, I think sometimes what you're supposed to do finds you as much as you find it. Absolutely. And for me, you know, my, my path was kind of curious. I grew up in a very rural area. And, you know, we're, we're talking uh, for, for the newbies and the young people out there, you know, you, you got to... Place your mindset in, in pre-internet <laughs> you know, this is, uh, we're talking 1970s and um, you know rural area and, and nobody was interested in these kind of things and, sure. at all I was always fascinated by you know family ghost stories and things like that and, and just was really intrigued and was able to find a, a couple of paperbacks here and there when I was a kid things like Von Donnick uh, Cherries of the Gods absolutely and You know, that was kind of eye opening. It was like, wow, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, it's it's one of those things that really got me thinking. And uh, like I said, you know, these things find you as much as you find them. So uh, a curious set of things began to happen. Uh, One is that I just discovered more and more um, in search of came along in the mid 70s. And, you know, here was Spock, of all people, talking about (laughs) all these weird topics. And then, you know, down this little country road that I lived down, it, this, these people moved in, built a house uh, very close to ours, an elderly couple, and it turned out this woman was a spiritualist. And I grew up in North Carolina. She was probably the only one in, in that half of North Carolina at the time, and uh, you know, I used to go over and speak to her all the time, so she's telling me all these things about seances and table wrapping and, and uh, you know, psychic phenomena and... Then lo and behold, she had Fate Magazine one day. And uh, I'd never seen it before. I'm like, what the heck is this? A Fate Magazine, you know, it's been around since the 40s. Yeah. And it's a little digest size publication. And when I saw this, it, it, Josh, it was kind of mind blowing. You know, here was a, an actual publication with all this different stuff in there. And, you know, uh, she, <laughs> I used to visit this lady every day after school and she told me she said make sure you come by tomorrow after school and she literally gave me this huge box full of several years of Fate magazine and she said "Uh, I don't need these anymore I think you should have them (laughs) and very mysteriously I was too sick to go to school for a while uh, barricaded myself in my room (laughs) and and just read all this stuff and that kind of that was one of the really key things because you know suddenly I realized wow there's people who were doing this all the time you know they're pursuing sasquatch reports and ufo accounts and and all these different things and that kind of really set my mind to you know this this is i am going to pursue this somehow or other i'm going to pursue this and never look back
0: that's awesome i mean it's it's like that uh that aha moment where you're like oh god i could actually go out and look for this stuff
1: it really was and you know i've been blessed to have a lot of those moments through my life and when I got a little bit older and started, you know, traveling more, meeting other people and, you know, I was very fortunate with some of the people I was able to meet. I met John Keel on a number of occasions and he was a huge influence on me because he looked at all of this phenomena in a very holistic way. Sure. And, you know, his books, I mean, everybody knows him for the Mothman prophecies, but he wrote a lot more. Right. And, you know, this, this guy was just incredible and he was, um, you know, he had such an expansive, Knowledge of, of weird phenomena and everything that it was—it uh, it was really fascinating just to be around him and hear him talk about things. So uh, he was a definite influence. So was uh, Jacques Vallée, who who I only recently was able to meet because you know he disappeared off the scene for a long time. Yes, and uh, he was at the UFO Congress in Phoenix this uh, past February. And uh, wow, what a, what an honor to meet him! Yeah, you know, that's awesome. My first edition of Passport to Magonia to him, you know, and got him to sign it. He was, it was really impressed that somebody had <laughs> <laughs> floating around. I was like, I've read this so many times.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so cool! So, yeah. Now I know that you do a lot of lectures, a lot of talks, and uh, and speaking engagements. Now, you know, when you're asked to do a lecture, you know what uh, you you cover a lot of topics here. Now, what of the what of these topics is like your favorite, you know, to tackle, so to speak? It's uh, what's what's most in your wheelhouse?
1: You know, it cycles around because yeah. um, a lot of people in the field, you know, they specialize. They just research UFOs or sure. you know, Bigfoot or something like that. And because of my early influences, I, I'm fascinated by all of it. I honestly am. So, uh, really, it, it kind of I, I go through phases, I guess, but only because. <laughs> just by default, I kind of have to focus on certain things for a while. I, I just put a new book out called Wood Knots that focuses on Sasquatch wow. and it has contributions by a bunch of other cryptozoologists in it. So I kind of focused on that for one period. But literally, man, I mean, I, I'll go out in the field, you know, for a week or two at a time and I may be investigating haunted sites a couple of nights and then, you know, maybe follow up on some cryptid reports or UFOs or, or whatever. So I, I really, really just keep cycling through all the various phenomena because I find it all so fascinating.
0: It's pretty amazing and impressive at the same time. You got your fingers in a lot of different paranormal pies, so to speak, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm fortunate, you know, I don't have to, Working in a cubicle all week or anything like that. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, my time is spent exploring all this
0: stuff. Absolutely. Now, talking, you know, on this show or whatever, we, we do two shows per week. And one is just more or less like a news segment. Um, but, you know, it seems that we are talking more and more aliens, especially lately. A lot more people seem to be having encounters, uh, seeing unidentified flying objects, um, there's just a lot of weird stuff going on, um, and it's also a very exciting time uh, to be, like, I mean, we're exploring deeper and deeper into space, and our reach has never been this far, and it's kind of exciting, um, but it also terrifies the shit out of me. Like, it really does, because, <laughs> like, I I am absolutely terrified of of aliens, and I don't necessarily know why, other than it's probably just the unknown, but... You know in your honest opinion are we or have we been visited by an alien race of some sort
1: You know it's sort of uh I have a complex answer for that I'm I'm happy to answer it Okay uh, the first thing I'll say is that um I I do believe that this planet was I I adhere to certain aspects of the ancient alien theory, but not all of them.
0: Sure.
1: And here's why. I I think there's a lot of evidence for some type of advanced influence on this planet in the early stages of human civilization. I I just... That's my personal opinion. Um, I'm not, however, a proponent that we're constantly being visited by spaceships that have flown here from Zeta Reticuli or wherever. Sure. Now... You know, honestly, I think something that is not as much on a lot of people's radar, but in some ways is more terrifying. Um, I, <laughs> I may give you a restless night. Tonight. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> so, you know, people people ask me about uh, aliens and stuff like that all the time. And I explored some of this in my book, Strange Intruders. Uh, and the idea of that book was... Uh, if you look at the cover, it's it's very there's a very subtle impression on the cover where you have this grouping of six different entities, and there's sort of an over the lay that looks like glass that they're sort of breaking through. Sure. And uh, the artist Sam Sharon captured that perfectly. What I was trying to get at, and what I was trying to get at was this idea of other dimensional beings. And I honestly think that there's much much more evidence that we are still visited on a regular basis by things that come from another dimension. And you know, having studied with a lot of tribal elders over the years, uh, around the world Josh, I've heard consistently the same types of stories about you know, some other race or some other entities that were here and they left. And when you hear the descriptions of how these beings left. You hear things like, well, they went through a hole in the sky, or a doorway in the mountain, or or a a shimmering portal that opened. And, you know, we're really getting into this idea of portals. Right. And other dimensions of existence. Now, um, I can support that by a couple of things. One is a very clear example of that is you know the whole lore of the jinn, which is something I've uh, delved into pretty extensively, and that that's a frightening thing all you know to its own. Sure. Uh, but the jinn, when you really start to decipher some of the uh, religious language and look at it in practical terms, we're talking about beings that went into another dimension. That's literally what we're being told. Now, what's fascinating. To me, about all of this is that several years ago, quantum scientists came out and said, "Hey, uh, we've we've deduced there are other dimensions of existence. Right? We don't know how to get to them or what's there. <laughs> but we know they're there. And my question is: okay, <laughs> yeah. uh, just because we don't know how to get there, doesn't mean that something there doesn't know how to get here. Exactly. And I, I honestly think that." this is the basis for a lot of things that people are experiencing and and we are in a period of a very high activity Uh, you look at some of the uh, native lore and so forth and they talk about various cycles that come around when these doorways are you know the access points are thinner and it's easier to go back and forth and i i think that's what's going on
0: you know I'm, i'm really glad to hear you say things like this um You know, we have uh, a, a few different listeners now that have reached out to us and wanted us to entertain this exact same topic. It's like imagine an octopus, a giant octopus with eight different tentacles. Well, one tentacle being, you know, UFO phenomenon, the other tentacle being, you know, ghost or poltergeist type phenomenon. It's all part of the same being, so to speak. You know, which yeah, is so- sure.
1: In a, in a sense, it very well may be. And, you know, I think that even within the field of, uh, you know, the paranormal, and, and I use that term very broadly. Yes. I know a lot of people are misled and think that it only means ghost hunting now. right? Uh, it, it does not. If you believe that, please look up the definition. <laughs> you know, literally is whatever is beyond the normal. Uh, sort of got co-opted by the reality shows. But, yes. you know, when you look at the entire the spectrum of the paranormal. What I've seen, being in this for so many years, is that over time uh, this division was created, and everybody sort of wanted their slice of the pie. You know, this group wanted to investigate UFOs, and you know, God forbid you say, "Well, I saw a UFO." And then there was the Sasquatch. Oh no, no, don't want to talk to you.
0: Yes, and, exactly. You know, the
1: reverse was true. Uh, you know, so a lot of data there were a lot of the organizations you know who were purported to be you know <laughs> specialists in pursuing this stuff they were pitching a lot of data out yeah and that's that's a very very bad thing and like I said you know the people that influenced me the most early on had a very holistic view and you know I, I've always carried that through my whole life investigating this stuff and you know if somebody saw a Sasquatch and a UFO at the same time I'm pretty fascinated by that Absolutely. I don't, I don't believe, nor am I saying that, you know, UFOs are dropping off hairy creatures, but, you know, there's so much we don't understand. You know, I want to question, okay, why is there so much activity in this particular area? You know, why? And there are, trust me, around the world, there are these uh, window zones, you know, portal areas, whatever you want to call them, where the phenomena, the level of activity is just crazy. You know, it's off the hook and you get, you get reports of ghosts and cryptids and UFOs and and everything in between.
0: So maybe suggesting that, uh, like you were saying, you know, the veil would be thinner in in those spaces.
1: I think that's a distinct possibility. And you know, of course, we also have to look at the possibility that there is some greater intelligence behind some of the things that are happening. And, you know, I, I don't I don't know what they're doing. You know, are they? You know, is it some grand trickster just having a good time and really <laughs> screwing with us? You know, right. it's like okay, we made them see a UFO last week. You know, this <laughs> week let's uh, let's throw a few Sasquatch around and see how they react. Exactly. You know? And and sometimes you get this weird sense that that kind of thing is is going on. And and certainly, you know, having been in the field for so long, I've I've had a few of those weird
0: moments myself. I was going to ask you. You know, you've been doing this now for 40 years do you get scared legitimately frightened at this point in the game
1: uh hoping that i don't sound too egotistical no
0: <laughs> I, I don't
1: the, sure. the, the phenomena and all these things it, it just fascinates me it just intrigues me all the more exactly and i i've literally been at locations you know where i, I was at an event uh this was a couple of years ago and uh it was uh you know, supposedly notoriously haunted location, and literally a group of people came running out of this room, <laughs> uh, supposed ghost hunters, and and they were you right. know crying and screaming about something happening, and, and I'm so I'm pushed to get out of the way,
0: you know, <laughs> let me in, in there. there,
1: you know, I, I want to document it, I want I want to see what's going on, I want to you know I want to see what kind of evidence we can collect. So um, no, those kind of things, they it, it doesn't terrify me you know knock on wood so so far I haven't had that experience what I do find disturbing are uh, the human elements that I find in some of my work and some of my investigations and I have certainly been in some very unsettling places I I can tell you that Um, uh, you know recently I was conducting an investigation that uh, was at a place called Fox Hollow Farms and for those not familiar with this location, it's in Indiana and it was the home of a serial killer. Oh, wow. And I gotta tell you, Josh, you know, walking around in there, um, <laughs> you know, I have a an investigative partner that I work with a lot. His name is Dave Spinks. And, you know, this guy is like ex-military and ex-law enforcement. And and he, you know, even he, he was a little bit pale, and he was like, (laughs) man, this kind of creeps me out. Just the idea of walking around with this guy, you know, did all of his deeds. So those things I find unsettling to a certain degree.
0: I would totally, I would totally agree with you there. It's like, you already know the story, the the backstory anyway, of what went down at that location. It's it's unsettling in and of itself, but then you put yourself right in the middle of it. And that's a whole new level.
1: <laughs> oh, sure, and and it's even creepier to a degree because the place is pretty much unchanged. Wow, you know, it's it it really and and it really uh, what really I think grabs me, and, and, and in fact, both of us. Uh, we had another guy with us too, um, and all three of us. We hardly knew what to say about this, that the bulk of the murders occurred in the pool room. There's an indoor pool in this house. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it's a pretty large pool. A lot of the murders were done with one of those hoses that cleans the
0: pool out. Oh, my God.
1: That There's a family that still lives in this home. <laughs> they kept the dam Pool hose. It's still hanging there. What? It's still <laughs> there, and and they just very casually, you know, oh yeah, that's the, that's the hose used.
0: That's that's what he did it with, right there. Just nonchalant. Oh,
1: I, I you know, it's, it's, oh. what a forty dollar hose. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't replace that. You know,
0: I could I could probably show you at least a handful of museums that would want their hands on that right now.
1: Oh yeah! Oh sure! Absolutely! Oh, my gosh. Absolutely! Oh my god! But it's gosh. it's it's a creepy place, Josh. It, it really is. And I, you know, the the people who live there, they were really great. They were very courteous to us. They let us in. They let us have the run of the house and investigate whatever we wanted to. Oh, that's and, awesome! You know, we were very fortunate. They they have turned away a lot. Uh, they've turned away most of the major television shows. Uh, the only show I think that has investigated there was Ghost Adventures. Uh, but most of the other people, they, they flat out turned them down. They said, we don't, you know, no, we don't want you here.
0: They're just not interested. No. Wow. No. That's interesting in and of itself.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, they're not oh. publicity seekers at all. In fact, That's great. Pretty much the opposite.
0: That's great. Now, moving on to a uh, another subject that terrifies me as well. I'm just like a glutton for punishment over here. it got to be the kids. <laughs> it is the kids, man. <laughs> Like, you literally wrote the book on this phenomenon here. (laughs) I mean, um, black-eyed kids. And I know a couple times we've talked about black-eyed kids on the show before, uh, some of the earlier episodes or whatever. Terrifying, though. Absolutely terrifying. Now, there are specific people that have actually let these kids into their homes. Is this correct?
1: purportedly right? Um, you know that, that's one of the top questions I'm asked and I'll say right now there are a lot of stories floating around on the internet that sure. claim, you know we let the kids in and, and this happened and that happened um, when I wrote the book which is it's almost five years old now uh, I only found a couple of Accounts that I had deemed credible of very close encounters like that, sure. and I, I didn't find I didn't find one at all of someone who had let one of these children into their home. Uh, what I did find is is a really weird case about a, a woman whose kid let a black eyed child into their vehicle and was in a very close proximity with with this kid. And uh, the, the consequences were pretty nasty. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, there's it's one of these things. When I wrote the book, it was kind of challenging when I wrote the book, you know, uh, because, of course, there's so many aspects of this thing. A lot of people think that it's urban legend. You know, a lot of people think that it's, it's just, you know, an uh, Internet meme or something. And sure. Of course, when I, when I investigated the topic, I really set out to find cases that predated the Internet and, and television and was able to find some and for me that was kind of uh, a part of what sealed the deal but the other thing was meeting contemporary people who had encountered these kids and sitting down and interviewing them and it it literally was like interviewing a trauma victim you know because these people were so traumatized by dealing with these kids just being on their doorstep that it it was it, it was i i mean people have had really serious difficulties after, after having dealt with these kids even briefly
0: I can imagine and I mean still to this day even they're still traumatized mm-hmm. that's amazing
1: yeah absolutely I mean it's it's there's a lot of lasting effects from these encounters wow. and um, you know one of the things I always like to throw in about this phenomena because people ask about it constantly I, I say a couple of things one is that you know there's a lot of accounts that predate Brian Bethel's encounter Yes, and more and more of those surface all the time. If you kind of go back through my blog, you'll see a lot of them. Um, I've, I've tried to post some here and there. I mean, there are accounts from the, you know, the '70s, the '50s, the '40s, and and they just keep going on and on and on. The thing is, is that all those older accounts, the terminology was different. You know, they didn't. The whole B E K acronym wasn't around back then. Right. So you look for other elements, and then you find the common themes and. Uh, these things, whatever they are, have been here for a very long time. But again, I think we're looking at some kind of interdimensional being.
0: I was just going to ask, yeah, is that yeah? if that was your thoughts, another, yeah. another type of interdimensional being. Um, gosh, it, it's fascinating stuff to me. It really is. And I just, it's driving me nuts because it's almost like I want, you know, obviously I want answers. I want to get to the bottom of it. I can't imagine what it's like for you.
1: Yeah, you know, forty years and all I have are more questions. Yeah, (laughs) but you know, you reach a certain point too where that's kind of the cool thing about it. Yes, Uh, because you know, there's certain things you kind of shake your head. uh, Okay, I've seen this. You know, here and there and there. You know, you're running through in the catalog of your mind, and and then you know, boom, here comes something that's like, uh, okay, that's new. (laughs) This hasn't happened before.
0: It's very interesting. I remember reading an account, and I'm going to screw this story up so much. um, So if you know this, which I'm sure you do, just stop me or whatever. um, This was way back in the day. A kid was walking up to his house. uh, Apparently, he had been fishing or something like that. Walking up to his house and saw it wasn't necessarily a a black-eyed kid. However, it was like a black-eyed man. Standing, and he was wearing kind of like a fedora-type hat, standing at his uh, tree, basically in the front yard. And uh, it frightened this child. Like, uh, maybe 12, 13 years old frightened him so much, in fact, that, you know, this man said, you know, don't. It, it was very strange because as the kid approached, um, the, the gentleman, I guess is what we'll call him, just, like, addressed him and said, hey, you know, and uh the kid was so scared right out the gate that he just basically stopped dead in his tracks. Now, the man looked at him and just said, "Don't," as in "Don't run," and the kid took off. I mean <laughs> took off, <laughs> running up towards his house, got his dad, who inevitably grabbed a, a giant shotgun, ran outside. The man was nowhere to, nowhere to be found, terrifying stuff like that. Um, I always try to put myself in the shoes of the people um, encountering these things. And maybe that's why I get so damn scared.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, sure. You know, the older accounts, it's interesting because what I found in research is that uh, one of two themes comes up, either um, is connected to some type of uh, alien encounter or presence. Uh, There was an account I posted just, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, probably, from Chile from the 1950s like 1956 Sure, excuse me and um, you know it was a couple of kids that were having these encounters uh, with this black eyed woman and the one of the kids told this story later on in his life he became an evangelical uh, pastor and consistently told this story, you know, his whole life, that wow. um, that they had encountered this woman and she had solid black eyes, and uh, there was sort of this impression that she was some type of alien. So, and, you know, even when they asked where she was from, she said something cryptic like, you know, from, from beyond the sun was wow. her answer. But one of the interesting things, aside from this you know solid black eye uh, pale skinned appearance was that one of the kids asked if they could touch her and she said no it would make you um, would be bad for both of us and would make you very sick now there's a handful of people that I've interviewed who have had contact with one of these kids and indeed the results are that they become physically ill in the aftermath of these encounters Wow. so you know that's a whole interesting aspect and then Of course, the other thing that inevitably comes up in a lot of the older encounters is the idea that it's some kind of demonic entity.
0: Sure, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah, especially (laughs) when you talk like uh, from a Christian-type background, they're more likely to lean towards a demonic type of force.
1: Absolutely. I mean, your your, uh, story you were just telling reminded me of there's one in my book. At the time, it was one of the earliest accounts I dug up. And it was from, uh, I think it was 19, early 1950s, and it was from a very rural area. It was a young man, you know, uh, coming home, and, and he saw this boy leaning against a fence post that led up to his house. And, you know, he, he's, you know, it's this country people, you know, and they know everybody, in the area, yeah. and he doesn't recognize this kid, and he tries to start talking to him because he was very talkative. And this boy's not saying anything. He's just standing there with his head down.
0: And What the hell?
1: You know, this guy finally, is. this guy's name was Harold. Harold says, hey, are you all right? And this boy, you know, looks up and makes eye contact at this point and says, I want to go to your house. You're going to walk me up to your house.
0: Oh, screw that.
1: And, you know, Harold, you know, <laughs> describes that, you know, the hair goes up on the back of his neck and he's... You know, he's kind of—he's thinking, "Oh, oh my God! You know what is this?" I'm—and he—he's merely thinking about running away. And in an apparent act of mind reading, this this child, as soon as Harold thinks that, the child responds, "Now, don't you run away from
0: me? Oh, wow! You,
1: you're gonna take me up to your house." So... And of course, you know the the whole family story. You know, even to this day, is that you know Harold. Beat all of his track records, <laughs> making it up to the front door, burst into the home, you know, told his his family what had happened, and the mother's immediate response was, "Oh my God, Harold met the devil."
0: Oh wow!
1: So you see, you get into this. Uh, you have to look through the lens of yeah, not just the people, but the cultural beliefs, the time period. And, and those influences. So, you know, <laughs> rural area, good Christian people, yes. you know, 1950, their immediate response is this is some kind of demonic force. And of course, you know, there's a lot of old folk legends about, you know, the devil being at the crossroad, the devil yeah. being able to appear in various forms. And of course, within demonology, there's a common acceptance that a demonic entity. Can take human form, but not completely. Something has to be uh, malformed. You know, sometimes it's the foot or a hand, yep. perhaps it's the eyes. Wow. So, you know, there, there you have it.
0: I got to tell you, man, you made uh, made the hair stand up. That's for sure with that story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, you know, another thing that I have noticed with the BEKs um, is is their overall general appearance. Like, um, you know, something is just. Off. And it's usually um, like their clothing may be a little outdated or maybe ill-fitting in some way, shape, or form. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: You know, it's, it's really hard to say. When you look at the accounts overall, uh, again, it becomes a little bit unsettling because it's almost as if you get the sense that some kind of experiment is taking
0: place exactly
1: and you know it's it's weird because Nick Redfern is a good friend of mine and of course he's done an extensive amount of work with the, the MIBs the men in black sure and there are actually a lot of commonalities between the black eyed kids and the men in black you know it's, it's really odd when you start looking at it the, the strange mannerisms the uh, awkward language the um out-of-place clothing, you know, or out-of-date clothing. So there's a lot of similar things. There's also cases where these kids don't seem to recognize common objects. And that's something that comes up in men in black cases. But, you know, I'll give you an example. There was a woman who contacted me she was at home. She was working on some kind of project and she was, you know, literally like just seconds away from being finished, you know, whatever she was sorting or organizing. And here comes the knock at the door because these kids always knock. Right. And it's not just a quick, you know, rap or, you know, three taps or anything like that. No, it's this long, monotonous knock, you can imagine someone just standing at the door just knocking you know (laughs) in this rhythm non-stop right and that in itself unnerves a lot of people and you know this woman she's working on this project and this knocking starts at the door and she said it distracted her so bad she she literally was trying to sort these last couple of things but the knocking just got to her so bad she threw the stuff down she rushed to the door she flung the door open and she, you know, before it even registered who was standing at the door, she pointed at the doorbell and said, "Why didn't you use the bleep bleep doorbell?" <laughs> and there's these kids, and this kid is looking at her, and looking at the doorbell, <laughs> and then looking back at her, and it's. She said in that moment that this she knew this kid had no idea, yeah, what that little lighted button was for you know there's no concept at all and that I found that particularly it was a very short account but I found it particularly intriguing because you know having researched so many cases when I was putting the book together it was funny that I heard over and over again from people you know they'd be at home and here comes this Knocking, you know, and it's just yeah. nonstop, and and nobody could ever seem to understand, you know, why don't these kids use a doorbell? But nobody ever asked. Them. <laughs> that know, is so insane. Maybe they just don't know what a doorbell is.
0: <laughs> that is amazing stuff. Wow, it's uh, again, like I said, it's it's freaking terrifying. Ultimately, now, you know, one part of me honestly wants to, uh, you know, have my own encounter. I think that would be swell. However, there's the other part of me that was like, nah, maybe not. But (laughs) (laughs) now I know you do a lot of work, you know, uh, like we talked earlier in the cryptozoological realm here. Um, As far as cryptozoology goes, what is your favorite, you know, topic or, or creature or cryptid or whatever you want to call it? What would be your favorite there? Wow, that's tough too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm intrigued by them all. I'd say what one that consistently stays near the top of the list is Mothman. Yes. Uh, I just you know I, I've been to Point Pleasant and um man, that that's just nothing there's there's wonderful people who live there. Sure. But that's a strange little place <laughs> <laughs> it it really is. and the whole time you're there, you just have this sense that something is not quite right. You know, there's just, there's something off. And it, it's almost, it's almost like a charge in the air or something. And, yep. you know, when you look at these encounters, and, and there's still weird things going on in Point Pleasant. And, um, you know, when you look at the accounts of Mothman, it's I mean, it's a fantastic mystery at, at the least.
0: Absolutely. You
1: know, and, and it's certainly a sort of a grand supernatural puzzle you know that gosh you know uh all these years later we're still we're still trying to figure out
0: yeah i think it's it's fascinating to me um now obviously i i i was introduced to mothman uh via richard gear um yeah and so you know that was kind of my introduction into it and i was like oh my gosh but you know Reading into the stories and the case files, it's like this is very interesting stuff because it wasn't just in Point Pleasant. I mean, he is literally being seen all over the globe.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It, it's, yeah, I mean,
1: there are reports of him prior to uh, Chernobyl. Yes. Prior to Fukushima. Uh, you know, there are reports that come in from, you know, small little regional. Uh, incidents that happen and you know these these winged creatures uh, show up all over the place and it, it's funny because you talk about things that terrify you. you know a lot of people are are freaked out by the chupacabras sure yeah and of course there's two versions of the chupacabras you know there's the texas blue dog which is sort of a canid looking thing which incidentally uh day spinks and i caught well, one of those on camera in Point Pleasant, of all places. Wow! Um, out, out by the bunkers, of course, where oh my <laughs> gosh. Know, where the Mothman activity was supposed to have taken place. Uh, but then you have the other chupacabras, you know, that are sort of uh, alien-looking and you know hunched over with little limbs and yes. you know big eyes and all this. And what a lot of people aren't aware of, uh, I, I got this great email from somebody that said. You have officially freaked me out more than I thought I could be freaked out because <laughs> I read your blog post. I'm already creeped out by chupacabras, and now you've written a post talking about chupacabras that can fly. <laughs> I'm not going to sleep tonight.
0: <laughs> it's like the best and, compliment uh, ever, literally, though. Literally, <laughs> yeah. It was a compliment. Yeah, you know, I,
1: I thank them for it. You
0: know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: So, yeah, and the thing is, is that there are indeed reports of these chupacabra-like creatures. Uh, from uh, Central and South America that people have seen flying. And it, it's just, it's, you know, these are weird accounts. Uh, there was one really strange one that um, these people, <laughs> uh, again in Chile, and these witnesses saw what they at first thought was a large uh, plastic trash bag falling off the edge of a house and and sort of tumbling into the road. They were driving by. They got out of their car. One of the witnesses approached this thing, and it suddenly leapt up into the air, flying. Oh, wow. And it was this chupacabra-like creature. And, uh, of course, there had been a, a number of other attacks reported in the area. You know, people had their... Their chickens killed and all the blood drained and and so forth. So uh, a bizarre series of attacks uh, that occurred in in that region. And that that wasn't that long ago. It was about 10 years ago. It was like 2007 or 2008.
0: It's very interesting. Um, When I first got to college, I started a paranormal investigative group. um, And we actually got a phone call from a – it was a camp, basically like a summer camp – this was in the fall months, so it had obviously closed down for the season. Uh, but they still had groundskeepers and whatnot there. Now, it was the groundskeepers that specifically called us and wanted us to come out there. So we did. Um, three of us went out there, and he showed me a, just basically a ton of chickens. Dead chickens. Wow. Very, very interesting, because they had their blood was completely drained. Gone. Mm. I had never seen anything like that. Um, The other groundskeeper was really weird and standoffish, very, like, uh, stereotypical Hollywood horror film type guy (laughs) who basically just stood there, literally stood there with his shovel in the background shaking his (laughs) head, saying, I knew they didn't want us here. I knew they didn't want us here. And I'm like, I got to get the hell out. Like, (laughs) but I... You know, it is. There is something to be said about this phenomenon because something is out there doing this. Um, right. Something was. I mean, I had never seen anything like that before in my life. That was enough to to freak me out. Um, and you know, obviously they wanted us to come back and investigate. I was a little apprehensive because, do I really want to hunt something that's hunting me at the same time? Possibly. You know. Right. Uh, that's. It's terrifying stuff. So, I don't know. But there is definitely something to be said about that type of phenomenon. Well, I got to tell you, David, you have been more than generous with your time. Where can everybody find you and find your your work, your books?
1: Check out twocrowsparanormal.blogspot.com. That is T W O. C-R-O-W-S There's hot links for everything on there. Uh, all the books and DVDs and stuff like that. Lots of new things coming out. I've also um, working a lot with Dave Spinks this past year and we've got an organization called Society of the Supernatural. You can find uh, that online on YouTube and we've got some of our live streamed investigations on there. Uh, Wood knots just came out. Find them on Amazon.com, and lots of other good things in the works. So yeah, keep keep uh, eye on the blog, and I update it fairly frequently. Even even when I'm traveling, I try to get a few posts ahead of time and have them them go up because people have really been enjoying it. So Absolutely. I like to share the information.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, David, thank you so much for taking the time and chatting with us tonight. I really, really appreciate it.
1: Hey, man, it's been a pleasure. Thanks
0: for having me on. Awesome, man. Take care. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. Well, there you guys have it. That was David Weatherly, author and uh, paranormal investigator. Absolutely phenomenal guy. Been doing this for four decades now. Absolutely amazing. Um, But, yeah, let me know what you guys thought of the episode uh, what you guys are thinking of the show. I know we have a lot of newcomers uh, that are just now finding the show, and for that, welcome and thanks for giving us a chance. Uh, if you guys want to reach out to us, do so. 913 730 7255. You guys can text that um, or call, leave a voicemail. Sometimes we get some crazy voicemails, and we love it, and we'll play them on the air. It's a lot of fun. Um, ectoplasm show at gmail.com, at ectoplasm show on Instagram and Twitter. The Ectoplasm Show on Facebook and ectoplasmshow.com. Also, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. Otherwise, Jason will smack me around if I don't. Rate and review us on iTunes. There it is. Awesome stuff. Good sauce. All right, guys. I'm going to let you go. I hope you have a great, great weekend. We will talk to you all very, very soon. Actually, Tuesday morning with the news segment. Peace Out.